the most important thing in life is not to just know what your wants are and what your needs are, but um, the deeper picture here is meaning. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Systema, and this is Systema for Life. Emmanuel, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Glenn. How are you? Yeah, fine. Thanks. Yeah, I've uh, been busy since coming back from a, yeah. a month away in, in Europe. So just getting back into the groove of things and trying to get a few more people back into classes and such. You know, I don't know if it's the same at your place. People tend to get lazy over the summer or disappear or they're doing things with the kids. Right? <laughs> it happens. It happens for sure. Yeah, definitely. Great. So I want to uh, have a chat with you today on a, on a few questions that um, have kind of come down the line to me um, from various people. And I, and they're, they're fairly deep questions. And uh, so you, you're a deep thinker and consider of, of questions in Systema. So one of my kind of go-to references for, um, for hard, intractable questions uh, as we kind of wrestle with them. So I'd like to kind of get your take on these, if, if you don't mind. Then maybe at the end, we can talk a little bit about um, some upcoming stuff that we've got going on later on in the year on deep diving into Sistema and, and, and looking at how you can uh, think more uh, broadly about what Sistema does and how you can use it. So the first one was on the, the role of kind of mindfulness in training. I mean, mindfulness has become almost like a buzzword in like, you know, mental health and um, corporate yep. kind of culture and all that kind of stuff that you should, you know, cultivate as much mindfulness as possible in order to live a healthier lifestyle, to not be a slave to your habits and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in particular in Sistema, it seems like there's a, there's, there's a little bit of kind of like a two conflicting emphases sometimes, it seems to some people at least. And which is in on the one hand, you've got this emphasis on spontaneous creative movement, right? Um, that you just allow the solution to any movement problem or conflict problem to present itself. And your main role is to try and get out of the way and allow your body just to, to find the solution. And on the flip side, you've got this strong emphasis on paying attention to your posture, paying attention to breathing and paying attention to the, the quality of your movement, whether it's keeping it smooth or, you know, keeping it uh, invisible or hard to see and all that kind of stuff. So um, kind of how do you, when you're teaching your students, how do you kind of coach them to pay attention to one of those things while still making room for the other? So how do you still have your attention on the core kind of pillars and the things that make system and movement and um, responses what they are, but at the same time, allowing enough room for spontaneity and creativity? It's kind of a tough question, I know, but uh, if there's anybody that can tackle it, I think it's you. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, Glenn. Well, I'll do my best to answer the question. And I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to answer them in like all things in the most honest way I can. It, it's hard to beat around the bush. Sometimes you just got to cut to the point. Hmm. Um, the question that people talk about when they say mindfulness, and I, I like to uh, draw a big picture around this. So when you get somebody that sees the benefit of being mindful, or having um, some sort of more mindful practice. Hmm. Usually people get to that state when they feel that life doesn't have meaning. So, Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? How, I, how do will, you I will, I will, yeah. I will. So um, the most important thing in life is not to just know what your wants are and what your needs are, but um, the deeper picture here is meaning. Um, so you might not know what you want or even what you need in life, but your life might have great meaning. Hmm. Um, uh, when we're training, every student needs to ask themselves, what does this mean to me? Not what I think it means to me, but what does it really mean to me? And, 
everybody comes to training with a different idea in their head or they come to Sistema with different ideas in their head and it means something. So uh, somebody is being bullied and he decides to take martial arts Uh, or um, somebody is overweight and decides to use martial arts to uh, lose weight or decides it a good activity to facilitate weight loss. And don't ever underestimate it. Um, The surveys and the the raw data I've seen, um, a huge portion of people use martial arts, number one reason for weight loss. Mm. which is really surprising when I saw that it wasn't even, it wasn't a gym. It was actual weight loss, which, uh, you know, when I look at how uh, martial art clubs are advertised, they rarely talk about that. It's always a secondary or third thing. Yeah. Maybe boxing clubs, boxing clubs sometimes run on that thing. Like, you know, it's a great workout and that kind of stuff. It is, but it is Mm. a great workout. And the majority of people actually don't come to compete in boxing, but they come to lose weight. Oddly enough. Yeah. So the meaning, so coming back to the question of meaning, so what does, uh, what do things mean to you? Um, there are sometimes that, so when people say, I, I want to be more mindful, the bigger picture when you dig uh, with these people or the people that start this practice is that they feel like they've lost the meaning in their life. They don't know what this means or even in their training. So you'll get somebody started in Sistema and has trained for a year or two. And, and the original reason was, you know, self-defense. I don't want to get bullied. I, it was really cool. It was unique or, you know, I want to lose weight. And then all of a sudden they get past that point. And well, now what does it mean? Hmm. And, and there's this, now you start getting into the mind. Well, wow, that's a big question. What does this mean to me? Hmm. Um, so the search in, in training should be, what does this mean to me? So if you, so if you understand more about what kind of the training means to you, does that, does that allow you to relax into things and then creative, spontaneous movement comes out of that? Is that what you're saying? In life, in life, Glenn, yeah. in life, this is when you got the meaning, when you know why you're doing something, Oh Jesus, that, that can fuel you for a lifetime. Hmm. Um, but if you know, but if you ever met somebody who, has no idea what the meaning is in life. Um, you see they're quite lost, right? Yeah. Um, Does that mean then if you, if you come to something and you have maybe kind of, you come with this really specific agenda, um, that it, that it might kind of color your ability, not only to move spontaneously and creatively, obviously it's going to lock you down, but it might make you kind of almost obsessively preoccupied with keeping for, for example, posture or something like that, right? That for, under no circumstances, do you want to let somebody bend you or break you or something like that? And if that's your overreaching kind of feeling, when you go into the whole thing, then you can't take your attention off of it. And then you can't be spontaneous. Is that kind of something you've seen or experienced? It could be for sure. I, I'm where I'm going with this is kind of a little bit complicated and long. I'll, I'll try to do my best to tie up the tie up the ends. Okay, sure. But but so when you're getting back to mindfulness, so when you talk about mindfulness, um, it's a state of understanding what's going on inside your head. Hmm. So I'll give you a way of the way I cultivate mind, uh, mindfulness. So I start most of my days with about 15 minutes of that work where I, it's literally when I first wake up, I literally uh, sit quietly. Um, and I try not to think about anything. I try to, and I've just woken up. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to quiet yeah. my mind right away. I'm trying to not think of anything. Um, not let my mind jump around, try to try to get control of my mind before my day even starts. Yeah, because I want to be very yeah. when I'm going to use my mind, I want it to be focused. I want it to be razor sharp. 
I don't want it to be jumping around. And anybody that's ever tried to sit still and not think of anything specific, maybe just focus on breathing or uh, just focus on uh, overall feeling of your body, but not let uh, a thought or um, a feeling or an agenda of some sort come into your head. Yeah. Just simply as still as you can and don't think about anything other than possibly breathing. Um, you, you might want to uh, save some uh, phrases to yourself, a prayer of some sort if, you, if, you, if you're so inclined. Hmm. Um, but very focused on nothing of your day. Like nothing of your, like, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I did this, I did this, uh, nothing. Hmm. And you're basically trying to trying to rein in your mind. And then when you start your day, there's a sharpness to the mind. So if I'm focusing on, on a class, I'm focused on the class. If I'm focused on a person, I'm focused on the person. And so mindfulness is a, is a journey inward, okay? Because so much of our day is outward, okay? Hmm. Yeah. So... Now, when you're talking about um, what, what people are talking about, the state with which people are talking about is not on the inside. It's not on the outside. It's at the doorway of both of those places. So I live my life. So usually when you have an interaction, you're either way ahead of it in your in your mind. If you've ever seen an argument between two people, they don't live. They're not listening because they're not present at that moment. Inside themselves or very much outside themselves. They're not at that doorway where both worlds intersect, so which is where people are present. Um, and in training, uh, we're usually ahead of things or in the past. I want to uh, choke you out. Oh, somebody choked me before. Uh, I, I'm very rarely present on exactly at that moment, yeah. at the doorway of both of those moments. Um, and most people have a hard time finding them. And that's that, are my present today? Am I living this moment as a moment or am I, you know, you look at your day, we're always, we're so calculated. We're either ahead of it, we're planning things well ahead of what's happening, hmm. or we're thinking about stuff that's happened or, oh God, I got to do this. Oh, I remember when that happened. And there's these memories and past that come in. It's very hard to be just still and quiet and be very present. Hmm. Um, and that's practice. That's that's a practicable thing, right? Yeah. Um, you're, you know, so some examples uh, from some training this week. I had students just, you know, start the class by lying on the ground and breathing and uh, trying to just uh, still themselves as much as they can uh, and just be present with their breathing. Mm-hmm. And, and so look at what's happening inside of them. So I said, look, kind of roll your eyeballs back in your head and try to look inside your body and see what's happening inside you. Like, what are you thinking? How's your heart rate? How's your lungs? How, how what's the depth or the shallowness of your breathing? Uh, what's the quality of your breathing? Um, are any aches talking to you? Do you feel crooked when you lie on the mat? Are, mm. are you, are you comfortable are you not comfortable so they spend a couple of minutes like that looking inside themselves and the focus is that you don't focus on anything external so i don't care if a car passes by and beeps the horn i don't care if somebody sneezes i don't care if you hear a sound don't focus just keep all your focus internal hmm. and then for another two minutes right after that Focus externally. So listen, look around you as you're lying on the mats. Do not let yourself look inside, but look only outside. Hmm. 
of yourself. So look at the fans on the ceiling turning. Uh, look at the person beside you. Look at the holes in the wall. Look at the paint strokes that are missing on the from painting on the walls. Um, you know, what does things smell like? Everything is external. Yeah. You And it's very hard to stay two minutes external, two minutes internal. Hmm. Because in our day-to-day life, we go in and out, in and out. You know, uh, I'm walking and I'm thinking about my day. All of a sudden, somebody cuts me off and all of a sudden I'm I'm – I'm ahead of it and we're very rarely are we, you know, we're always, um, our minds very quickly go in the past and go to the future and the past and the future. Hmm. So I'm having students go inside themselves and outside themselves. Hmm. And then for another two minutes, for another two minutes, I have students to be on the doorway of both of those places. Hmm. So I want you to be able to look inside, but also be aware outside, hmm. but you're not in either place, but you're both places at the same time. So my breathing is good and I'm looking at Joe. Hmm. My, my, my shoulder injury is talking to me and I, you know, I, I hear the horn uh, beeping outside. Yeah. Like you, you're, it's surreal. It's a really interesting place, but you're at the doorway of the internal, the external world. That's interesting. Okay. So, so you're saying the solution to that problem is, is it's not really a problem at all. It's like what tends to happen is that our attention gets pulled accidentally or through no control of our own outside of us and inside. And you're saying that you actually have to practice staying in that doorway if you want to try and take in your external environment and still maintain your breathing and your posture and what's going on with your internal environment at the same time. Just be present. Just be super present. You know, like if you talk to it, it's like uh, it's funny. Like so I've experienced these things in many ways in, in, in martial arts as well, as well as in other other sports, you know, moments before a fight. You know, you have all your memories of like when you got jumped or when you got sucker punched or any worries that you've ever had. Oh, my God, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get embarrassed. You know, oh, this situation is and all of a sudden you have this external stimulus as an aggressor in front of you that's clenching a fist. So you have this guy directly externally in front of you and you have all your memories in your head and everything's happening in a very quick moment. Hmm. You know, like it comes so quickly. Anybody that's ever experienced a drowning, like you, you quickly realize, oh my God, I'm, I could be dying. And yeah. you're actually saying that to yourself. Yeah. Like, or in the middle of falling, you're like, oh my God, I'm falling. Mm. Yeah. But in such a quick moment, you manage to go forward and backwards, like quickly. You yeah. manage to fast forward a wheelchair mm-hmm. and uh, wheelchairs are broken arms. Oh, and so you're, you, you do it so quickly in your mind. Mm. Uh, people that have, that have had traumatic events, they just, they, they, they go in and out so quickly in a short period of time. Yeah. Um, and then in archery, it's the same thing. Um, so when I, I do some of my archery competitions, it's amazing. You, you have a bad shot and then in the next 30 seconds, you're about to let another one go. Hmm. And you have this memory of this bad shot you just made, but you have to forget it. But it's there. You can't yeah. can't tell yourself what you don't want. It's there. You hmm. can't deny. It. You just say it's there. I let it go, and I'm super present. I could go into the future and say, "Oh, me winning the gold medal." That, that's especially if you're in 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 heat in the heat of a competition where you have the chance to win or you're favored to win. Now you have this pressure. I'm favored to win. So now you have this forward pressure of like the medal around your neck, mm. and then you have the past of like, oh my god, I've blown it before. Mm. And in a matter of ten seconds, as you're about to release this arrow, you're thinking about the future, the medal around your neck, and the past, the ones you you screwed up. Hmm. So it happens so quickly and none of those will produce a good result. None. Hmm. It's being super present. 
it's focusing on the target at that exact moment, relaxing yourself as much as you can and releasing that arrow as cleanly as you can. Hmm. And it's the same with any situation, an aggressor. And the, the only reaction that you'll be able to live with is the cleanest one. Hmm. Is the one that is very present, the one that's in the future and the one that's in the past, you will have tons of regrets, but right. the one that is right there will, right. will never feel that you'll always be like, it was a perfect response. That's excellent. That's uh, that's really interesting. It's like an oblique response to what I was uh, asking, but it's actually the correct you know response. I understand how that fits together now. It's uh, sometimes you ask a question and you realize that it's actually the wrong question, you know, so it's... <laughs> Oh, people don't know how to ask questions. No, that, that's a big, that's another question that you yeah. is huge. Yeah. Uh, people don't know how to ask questions in life. And when they have a question asked of them, Glenn, the biggest problem I find is if somebody asks you a question, you do not, you should not feel burdened to answer that question. Hmm. Don't burden yourself. If somebody asks me a question, I, I think about it and I don't feel any burden to answer that question. I just wait. I'm like, if I don't know it, I don't know it. Maybe I know it, but I don't feel the burden to answer the question. Yeah. I mean, somebody, you know, you can ask a question and just think about it. Men specifically, I don't know why we feel burdened to solve every problem. Right. And, um, and we don't need to, you can just have a problem and and think about it and not have to have any solution whatsoever. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know why it goes back to the way we evolved where men had to find a solution to things like, you know, we had to, we, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, you know, we had to find shelter, we had to, you know, eat, we needed to like, you know, so we had to have solutions and we feel this burden to, to solve every problem. And it is a burden and, yeah. and it's not good. We need to ask questions and we need to not necessarily feel the burden of solving or answering every question that's, that's given to you. Gotcha. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. If you think about it from an evolutionary psychology perspective, cause it's like, you could argue that women had to solve the same problems, right? They had to find food and they had to do things. So, so why is it that women seem so much better at sitting with problems and just wait and talking to people? And maybe it's something to do with the fact that uh, women, they're under stress, their social, uh, their response tends to be more social, right? They more, more usually go towards the tend to befriend. They're like, I'm going to gather a little tribe together and help me, you know, solve this one. And they sit with it. Whereas men just tend to go action, action, action. I'll figure out whether it's the right one later, you know? So maybe that's what it is that under pressure, we tend to want to try and do something, even if it's the wrong thing. And women tend to want to be like, let me check with my sisters first, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a generalization, but it's one that tends, tends to hold out. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to walk in eggshells. We're just, we're talking, we're, we're having conversation, Glenn, where, sure. you know, I, I can be wrong. You can be wrong. It's fine. We're, we do have to, we have to be able to talk like people. Otherwise we we're yeah. you know, if you, nobody can have a good conversation these days, if everybody's walking in eggshells, yeah. you know, nobody, you know, if you're a good person, you, you do your best to, to, to be respectful of everything, but you can't walk in eggshells. I mean, God, I can't have a good debate with somebody if I'm walking in any eggshells. Sure. I'm just, we're talking as, as an ideas uh, yeah. for everybody to understand yeah. um, where my mind at because the bigger question here when you talk about mindfulness um, is that when you're when you're at that state when you're at that place in your life where you feel that you need to be more mindful um, then it signifies that you you want more meaning in what you're doing hmm. and it doesn't have to just be martial arts it can be in life hmm. and um, and the best place the best way to find meaning is by 
being inside yourself, meaning aware of what's going on inside you, how something makes you feel. Mm. And then outside yourself, which is how you see things and how the external world is. And it's super important that you uh, don't be in either place, but in the doorway of both those places. That is where you will have the most meaning in your life. So I become a teacher and I start off with great meaning to as to be a teacher and life can pull me away from this i could start focusing on things that don't mean anything to me and all of a sudden i've lost the meaning to my life you mm. you see a lot of musicians that this happens to so they're artists as well right yeah. so you see a musician loves yeah. music he just loves the music he loves making he's playing in his basement all of a sudden he becomes famous and the meaning goes away from making songs and being creative to his producer says, well, people like this, do this, do that. And all of a sudden they're, they're doing things that don't mean anything to them. Mm. And after about a year or two, they don't even, they can't make a song because there's no meaning. Mm. They've lost it. Like songs have meanings. They meant something. Mm. And when you look at all the great songs, they had immense meaning behind them. Mm. It wasn't just the lyrics and words. It's what it's, it's, it's what it meant to that. Uh, uh, writer. So you learn more uh, from somebody when you ask them what, what um, those movements or those lyrics mean as compared to what did you say? Mm. Interesting. Like yeah. what was the inspiration? What's the inspiration behind that song? Not yeah. what are the lyrics? Mm. You know, when, so I'm always looking for meaning when, when you punch somebody um, in training or in real, it, what was the meaning behind it? And yeah. when you actually look back yeah. at that meaning, the person is frustrated at themselves. They're not, they're, you happen to be the epicenter. You yeah. happen to be that catalyst. But when you dive down deep, if there's no catalyst, like if, you're, if everything is good in your life, if you're happy and you're content and somebody upsets you, you don't react by punching them. Mm. It's all this other shit happened. And then you then and this became the, the thing that put you over the top. So. A strike, when you punch people, the meaning should have, what, what is the meaning to you? For me, punching people is just to help them. Yeah. I didn't have any, I don't see them as a yeah. bad person at all. I punch people to facilitate a growth, uh, yeah. facilitate a perspective or a yeah. learning of some sort, uh, to remove attention, to cause a relaxation, mm. to make a person reflect mm. on to, to punish them, to somehow hurt them or to impress myself or to somehow prove something. I have, uh, I've lost all interest in those things. They don't, they're fruitless. Yeah. They, you know, they, they don't, they yeah. don't lead you down a road. It doesn't take long. You know, you realize, uh, like, uh, it takes a while for people to realize money doesn't buy a lot of happiness. Um, it buys less happiness. Yeah. The best thing, if you want to be happy is to have yeah. less. That's that, that the less. And it's the same in martial arts. If you really want something that works for you, have less. Hmm. You know, don't add more things to your repertoire, have less. Yeah, I guess there's a whole movement of uh, minimalism and essentialism where that seems to be happening, at least in the States now, where people are realizing there are limits to the benefits of just getting more and more stuff that you end up being feeling responsible for that stuff. And it's all it's all coming back to a very Buddhist place. You know, the people are encouraging mindfulness and having less stuff and, you know, living a life of meaning. And it's, uh, people seem to be embracing those age old issues now, like in, in a way, in a modern world, because they realize it's kind of run away from them with technology and, you know, and bigger and bigger houses and everything that comes with it. Well, personally, the way I, the way I'm teaching, like at the Fight Club, especially the last six months to a year, is I, a lot more of this like internal external uh, play. You mm. can look at it like a chaos in order. You could, but that wouldn't be exactly accurate. But there's a balance between we all want order in our lives. 
but too much order, we feel like it doesn't give us, it, it feels too safe. Mm. Um, and then too much chaos seems a little, it's, you, you want order in your life cause it's necessary, but ca- the chaos is life. Like all of life is a little chaos. You wake up in the morning and it could go this way. It could go that way. You know, it could rain. It could not rain. You could be late. You could not be late. You know, like there is a little bit of chaos built into life already. Yeah. And we try so hard to order this that, um, to a fault, like we, we burden ourselves ordering everything that, if we're late by 10 minutes, we go crazy. Hmm. You know, I have a, a couple of friends of mine that are mechanics and people used to drop their cars off and he'd say, okay, I'll have it back to you in a day or two. You know, I've got to order a part. I've got to, you know, hmm. I don't, he didn't stock all the parts in a garage. You, you have to order some parts. You can't, there's too many parts of a car to stock everything. Hmm. And there's too many models to stock everything. Right. So usually a day to order the part and a day to put it in. So sometimes faster. And he goes, people come in now and they, they say, no, I need it in two hours. And it's like, I, I, I can't get it to you in two hours. And he goes, people on, they're not even able to understand that anymore. Yeah. They, they're not able to comprehend. They're just like, I need it now. There's this, I need to, I can't be without my car for two hours. Yeah. I can't, you know, heaven forbid a cell yeah. phone. I mean, think about that. I mean, if somebody were not have their cell phone for a couple of days, they would, it's like, oh my God, I can't go get it repaired. Like you watch people's react. There's this urgency to everything, to plan everything. I need to do this at this time, this at that time. Yeah. And it's, of course we need some of it, but there is, um, I find that a lot of meaning and a lot of uh, the best things that happen are in the chaotic situations. I'm not talking crazy. I'm talking, you know, oh, this restaurant is closed. Okay, well, maybe we'll go to this one. Yeah. Or, oh, this option is off the table. Maybe we try this one. Hmm. You know, um, it, it's it's interesting. You know, like uh, you, we you, have to be able to live a little bit of chaos. It gives our life a, a more meaning. It makes us feel a lot more present. Yeah. If everything is ordered, we don't even feel present. Yeah, we've like seen we just, a person that's got his entire it's like, how are you living life? Like you actually feel sorry for the person. Yeah. I actually you know, like, I go to Europe, and then, I'm going to be good. Yeah. I was, I was just about to say the same thing. We just got back from a, a month in Spain and Portugal, right? I took my two kids and my wife and we went to um, Madrid and then uh, we went to, you know, we stopped in Toronto, came trained at Fight Club on the way there. Um, and then we flew to Madrid and then we drove right across Southern Spain, uh, across Granada, Cordoba, Sevilla, all the way to Lisbon and then flew back from Portugal. And it took us a couple of days just to drop back into the kind of like the European mindset for want of a better word. We kind of arrived there and we're trying to find the Airbnb and like the guy hasn't quite shown up yet and we have to sit in the cafe for like an hour and a half until he shows up. And then we get in there and get things sorted and we're trying to get the kids down for a nap, but they can't because things are going on. And I want to put uh, two days later, I want to take the rubbish out, right? The garbage, but there's no trash cans outside. There's nowhere to put it. And that's because in Spain, they don't put the trash cans out until 8 p.m. Like the public put them out on the pavement and then you put the stuff in. And I was all frustrated because I couldn't get the garbage out of the house. And I realized that I'd been kind of infected with this uh, kind of North American need for control you know this this kind of like oh, I, this is my schedule and i feel comfortable when everything is the way that i want it and when that was broken up and things were delayed and things were pushed around i was i was bumping up against that and it took me a couple of days to settle into it and realize oh, nobody else here seems to care and just i just let this go and then i could enjoy the rest of the entire month in europe but as uh, it, it took a couple of, there was a couple of days of friction there and it made me realize how dependent you can get on those little 
benchmarks and waypoints and reassuring buffers of control, right? And we don't need any of them, or we shouldn't need any of them, right? Um, if we can fully relax, but but too many people get into it, especially here, I think. Hmm. No, in training, it's the same thing. Uh, in many cases, we have like there is an order to training, like there's benefits to definitely having order in training so we can learn, but you have to be able to let it go sometimes too. And just, and let learning happen in chaos because that's also a good place as well. There's benefits to both, but, and you have to know how to survive in both. Yeah, That's so important. You know, I've had to survive in chaotic situations and with chaotic people in my life and you have to know how to survive in those situations and they teach you a lot as well. Mm. So there's learning. So I, I, I believe that there is learning in order and there is learning in chaos. And if you can sit at the doorway of both of those places and look in both places, not one better than, but, but ride that line of like, you know, you know, I'm pedaling my bike and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing 10 kilometers an hour. It's pretty comfortable. It's very, you know, safe, but all of a sudden I get pumped into about 25 kilometers an hour and the wind's rushing and I it, there's, you know, yeah, if I blow a tire now, it probably won't go good. If I hit a stone, maybe, uh, I might take a wipeout, but it's fun and mm. I feel free. Mm. Um, there is, you, you want to get to the place in training where you find a speed and an effort where you're not, it's not, it's a little out of your control and you feel free. It, it makes you feel alive. Hmm. Otherwise it's too controlled. You feel like, you, you know, it's just too safe. Yeah. You know, like I'm not saying be reckless. I'm saying just be free, you know, like look at the way kids, I, I teach the kids there and I see them, you know, and I, it's funny as a parent, the kids are more relaxed. We're nervous with everything they do. Like they might hurt themselves, but they're not. Mm. <laughs> We're yeah. the ones more nervous watching them. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, so we have to like, like live a little bit in chaos, not meaning craziness, just a little bit of unpredictability is good for us. Yeah. You know, and again, like you found in Europe yeah. and like, I will find out, you know, opening up the fridge and not having food in there and saying, Oh, I've got to go to the market. Well, what's going to be in the market? I don't know. Yeah. There might be fish, there might be meat, there might be vegetables, there might be a watermelon, maybe not. Hmm. You know, you, you don't know. You go there and you'll see. And there, after you live like that for about a month, you can't go back. Yeah. It's the best way. Yeah. You, you feel like you're living life. You're making decisions at that moment as compared to everything's planned. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I just think, uh, um, so, you know, this idea of, being inside yourself and being outside yourself and being at the doorway, this idea of order and a little bit of chaos and being at the doorway, this, uh, whenever I've applied this in my life, I find I have more meaning. Um, I have, I find I have a clear meaning as to what my life is and it's not one meaning. What it means to you now might change in 10 years, but you're constantly in search of the meaning of it. Because when I started Sistema, it was clearly for like martial arts and fighting. But then the meaning changed for me. It changed when I had kids, where I got married. And then it changed again when I had kids. And then it, things change and it's fine. The meaning will change. So this doesn't mean that I look at somebody who starts it again, new in system, and the meaning is all uh, fighting for them. That's okay. I'm not trying to change this. That's not my meaning though. Right. You know, I'm at that point now. I really enjoy um, the community of Sistema. I really enjoy giving back to Sistema. I really enjoy uh, watching other schools flourish in Sistema and other instructors um, helping with the load of teaching Sistema. Mm. It's not, 
it's not in any one person. It's in all of us. You know, the yeah. strength in a martial art is not yeah. in um, a single person. It's in the collective unity of the group. Um, Actually, that, so that we all have an interest. Oh, sorry. You want to go? Yeah. No, it's okay. I was going to say that brings us uh, neatly onto uh, the next question I was going to ask about, um, which is about harmony. Um, that one in uh, one of Vlad's original um, writings in the, the old school Russian system guidebook. It's funny. I, I dug it out recently because I'm teaching this week long workshop to kids at the uh, Mid South Fences Club where we where we train, and so we're doing a summer's camp. And uh, it's kind of called Modern Warrior. And we've got kids uh, doing Sistema in the mornings, essentially, and kind of learning the precepts of old kind of like Sistema warriors and things like that. And in the afternoon, they get to swing long swords around and uh, have some fun doing that. So it's a, it's a really nice idea. And the kids are getting a lot out of it. And we're trying to really instill this kind of mindset into them. Um, and so I went back to some of the old materials and, uh, and there was these 10 guidelines and precepts for uh, for understanding and mastering Sistema, which I hadn't really looked at for years and years, probably for about 10 years since I first like, bought it. And I don't think they're even publishing that book anymore because maybe there's some things in there that are, you know, no longer emphasized quite so much and stuff like that. But, um, but one of them was harmonize your life. Um, and that's, that seems to be kind of a pretty universal precept. I mean, that you're learning to harmonize with them, with the movement and the intentions of, of somebody else in training. And then that kind of extrapolates to a general tendency to try and harmonize with things. And, and this, you know, ties in a little bit with what you were saying before in that, you know, if you open the fridge and you haven't got all the groceries in there that you want, then you just have to harmonize with your environment and, and realize you're in a place that that's not what is on the table here, right? You have to go to the market and then see what's there and then decide what you're going to eat after that. And you just kind of go with the flow, but in, in a more kind of concrete sense, um, to what extent do you think we should try to harmonize with, uh, with partners and with, uh, and with potential attackers when we're actually physically working? Is there a limit to the power of kind of harmonization and blending? Because we have a kind of a spectrum of options in a sense, and anything from kind of offering no support at all to somebody when they're trying to grab you and just kind of, you know, slipping away or just, you know, relaxing a part out of, out of range or something like that so they can't find support on you to maybe giving support temporarily and then removing it in order to create some sort of imbalance or change the situation um, all the way through to kind of creating obstacles and tension on purpose in order to create imbalances or misconceptions, right? So it seems to me that the all three of those in some way are kind of tactical, right? You almost have to make a decision unless your mindset from the very beginning is I'm going to harmonize with everything they do. I'm going to blend and harmonize with everything, right? Any other decision aside from that, if it's create tension and take it away, offer support and then take it away. There's a little kind of tactical element into it, which suggests kind of, you know, some, some forethought and all that kind of stuff. So to what extent do you think we should give ourselves over to this idea of harmony? Because I think taken to kind of a, an extreme extent, you can end up with something like, you know, ki aikido or something like that, where people are just almost, you know, they're hardly making contact and they're just kind of moving around each other and everybody's falling over and you're like, yeah, but didn't we lose something here? You know, didn't we lose the martial and the art a little bit here? It's nice, but it's like, where did it go? You know, that kind of stuff. So is, it, is there a place for all three of those states and how do we kind of integrate them in our training and what kind of emphasis should we put on harmony? Yeah, the, the, a lot of that's a hugely deep question. Um, I'll do my best to answer it, but it, mm -hmm. harmony um, is whatever you want to make of it. And to be honest with you, the one person's harmony is a different one's harmony as well. Mm. Uh, what I try to do is the amount of energy that I'm giving. Um, I'm also making sure that I'm willing to also accept that amount of energy. Mm. So if I give a lot of energy, then I have to be ready to receive a lot of energy as well. So it's much like um, if the uh, pace or the effort uh, speeds up and uh, 
and really gets her, you need to be able to match that, but find harmony. Do you understand that? So yeah. you can go fast, you can go strong, but people have to, but you know, you have to find that balance with your partner to make that work. Mm. Um, every, every time I train with a partner, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm able to, uh, work with them, uh, on a deep level. And, uh, when I'm, when I find a comfortable place, what I'm looking for is a place where my partner is comfortable. And what I mean by comfortable, much like, um, uh, a marksman coach, you look at him and he sees, he, you hold a rifle and he's like, he's looking at you. Don't even try to shoot this unless you're comfortable. Mm. Like don't even try to fire this weapon. If you're not comfortable, like if you're not shouldering it properly, if the, if your face isn't properly on this, if you can't, you know, uh, grip the weapon, uh, according, if it doesn't fit you right, you, you'll be able to fire it, but it won't be good. You won't be accurate and it won't really be yours. Mm. Um, I, first thing I look for as a base level is that um, my partner is comfortable. And then from the moment I determine they're comfortable, I'm trying to make them uncomfortable and see if they can get comfortable. And that's how we progress. And the speed and the power can go really, really, you know, can go quite a bit mm. um, to a, a very, very good level. Um, I think the problem with most people is they get to a comfortable place and they stay there. And they, they don't push themselves. Me as a being a good partner, I need to push my partner to a place where it's a little chaotic, hmm. a little uncomfortable at the doorway of that order and chaos and work from there. So, so how do you push without, um, without, talk, without going further over and, and like disturbing well, yeah, that potential of harmony? Yeah, you? but you, you have, you, hmm. you know, you'll, you'll make, you'll go over sometimes too much. I mean, you might sure. hit the guy too hard or choke him too hard or, and you just say sorry. And, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, like you can't, you're not walking in eggshells. I mean, it's training, right? It's martial sure. arts. Yeah. But you, you, uh, I would hope that if I had a partner and saw I was comfortable, would be willing to push me to a little bit of an uncomfortable place. Um, not to be a, a prick, so to speak, but mm. because that's where we learn the most yeah. when we're a little bit about ourselves. So, um, the, the talk about harmony is I think people are, are mis mixing it with comfort mm. and, um, a harmony, you can find harmony in absolute chaotic things. Mm. I mean, look, you look in a forest, um, there's beautiful harmony in a forest, but the survival thing is chaos. Mm. I mean, the way trees grow and the way plants grow and look for every bit of sunlight and the way they, it's a real battle, but there's harmony to it. Yeah. They're finding their own kind of yeah, their own place in their own niche in their own way. There's <laughs> harmony in the woods. I mean, the wolf is trying to eat the, 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 the deer and the deer is trying to survive. And, mm. uh, you know, like it's, it's, it's barbaric and chaotic, but then when you sit back, there's harmony to it. Mm. You know, the wolf doesn't eat the deer. There's too many deer, the deer too many. Look, it just, it, it all works in harmony. So harmony is not a just pleasant thing. It's it, harmony can be two guys punching the hell out of each other. But if they're both happy and they're both enjoy this and they're both not thinking destructive things and they're going hard and they're giving it and taking the same book, they're in perfect harmony. Mm. It almost reminds me of the, um, like the biological concepts of like homeostasis and allostasis, right? Exactly. So homeostasis is this striving to keep everything the same, keep everything within your comfort zone, narrow range of blood 
pressure, narrow range of uh, body temperature, all those kinds of things, right? And and our body kind of doesn't like it when we creep up, so it tries to pull it back down again. You know, we shiver if we get too cold to generate heat, and we sweat to try and you know lose some heat and all that kind of stuff. But like, allostasis is is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it can be, right? You get pushed into a, a zone where you're, I don't know, for the same example, you're hot all the time. Maybe you move to Dubai and it's 114 degrees all the time, and you're you know hanging out. And but after a while, your body adapts to that new normal. Right. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. It can be if you're adapting to like a chronic stress problem or something like that. And you can adapt to have like a higher heart rate than you should. And, you know, your cholesterol rate can go up if you're just eating, you know, reindeer every day of the week or something like that. But um, so it can be a bad thing. Cumulative over time. But allostasis is also how athletes become extraordinarily powerful. Right. And, and fast and dexterous is that they're adapting to a new normal all the time. They're getting tested just that little bit. Their coaches never let them just kind of sit and rest on their laurels. There's always that little push towards trying to find comfort and, and, and harmony with that, with that new set of tests that are coming along. So it's part of kind of what you're explaining that it's almost our responsibility to keep providing that progressive kind of testing to that progressive nudging to, to, to make people, to make sure people don't get too comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's all I would. And I think that's probably the role of the, of the teacher um, and the coach is to push an athlete or push a team to a place where they grow. That's why you have a, a uh, you have a team that's in one division and when the coach brings them up, um, yes, they're, they're forced to now change and evolve and adapt and grow. Yeah. Um, so we need to do this for each other, but I think sometimes we get a little too comfortable. Um, and, uh, that's human nature, I guess, but remembering that the main goal is growth and, uh, an amount of chaos and amount of order will facilitate growth in the person. Um, but definitely too much comfort will, will not facilitate growth. You'll, you'll actually go down your skills. Mm. Um, Great. you know, and, and that's, that's really important. And, and to people that are teaching, um, you, you need to work with students like one-on-one -on -one with this. You know, maybe not every class, but you need to work with them. Like if you have a teacher, if, if you're a student and your teacher is not working with you once a month, like hands on, mm. like even as a minimum, then I'm sorry, guys, they, they, they're not caring. They don't care. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, because it's that simple. And you as a teacher, I try to get around to every one of my students in class and give them some feedback, have them feel it on me, have me show it on them as well um, so that they can grow. They need this. You yeah, know, yeah. that's your role as a teacher It's not to beat them or humiliate them or to put them down of any sort. You know, if I see, um, you know, you're facilitating an amount of, um, uh, uh, I guess, chaos and growth in them. Um, so when students want to work with me, they're tired of themselves. They want something different. You know, they're mm -hmm. tired of the way they think. They're tired of what they do and they want to see a different way. So I'm trying to show them that. Yeah. I'm not trying to beat them up. I, it's ridiculous. You know, it's, it's, it's just completely unnecessary. They, students are there, especially with teachers, they, they're coming to you as a student with an open, you know, trying to want to learn or better themselves. Hmm. You know, uh, and if you watch Kung Fu Panda, um, <laughs> there's a lot to it, you know, and there was a, there was a scene where, you know, the, the sensei, the instructor was, but didn't want to teach the panda and he did everything to try to get rid of him. And there was a point where he said, you, he goes, I came to you because I was tired of myself. And if I thought if anybody could help me not be me or help me not be, it's you. Hmm. And so anytime I see a teacher beating up a student because they're, I, I just, I, I, I just laugh. I said, you, they're coming to you because they're tired of themselves. They want to see a better way. 
Yeah. I mean, I just so I can stress that, you know, he, unfortunately this world's full of bad teachers and good teachers, bad people and good people. And you have to know who's in front of you, but I, it's safe to say if you're training at a club and you're training and you're, you know, you, you have, um, a teacher that doesn't work with you, especially months on end, that they're, they're not interested in teaching you. Hmm. And that's just a sad reality guys. I, I hate to tell that, but that's just it. You need to find somebody that wants to teach you. And that's, that's, that's very important, you know, and in many ways when people uh, see me teach, it's, I'm giving them everything that I never had. Hmm. So when the, the, the way I teach is to give students what I never had, hmm. that's all. Okay. So that's, um, so I, I have one more question and it kind of ties in a little bit with that. And it's on, um, kind of the way you feel in training and the role of emotions and obviously some of that comes from the way that you feel about the instructor that you work with and the way that you feel the degree of trust you have in the in the in your training partners and just in the environment that the teacher has created around you that's a big thing um but this general kind of idea that um again there seems to be a lot of emphasis in Sistema on kind of remaining calm and professional and not allowing an overgrowth of emotion like to in to infect what it is that you're doing and all that kind of stuff and yet at the same time it's often talked about that there's there's a necessity of of some emotion, right? Um, this whole idea of the necessity of some fear, of acknowledging fear and of, and of using it in some small way and paying attention to it, the whole Gavin DeBecker gift of fear idea, you know, that if you, you get the lack of fear makes you complacent and, and perhaps to some extent, maybe even like a, a, a lack of any kind of anger, right? Um, could be said to be like a lack of motivation, right? If you're not fired up in any way to do something uh, at all, uh, I'm not talking about furious. I'm talking about, well, if you're not even kind of agitated to action, then you, you might not be motivated sufficiently to, to, to win the exchange or put in the work that's necessary to do the thing that you need to accomplish and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like that there, um, is there a necessity for all types of emotion in training or is there a necessity for some like fear and others like anger should be pushed down or shunned or pushed away or, or should we expose ourselves as much as possible to all of them and accept the, you know, the inevitability of emotions and then just try to get to know them better. Is that the goal? It, it can be. So I, I, anybody's ever trained with me, there's a couple of things I do. So if I see a, a person's kind of like, I guess fluffing it or not trying very hard, or I want to spark some emotion in them. Uh, I start to make chicken sounds like, and or I'll rub their face with my hand, like a kid with snow in your face. Right. Mm. I say, what's wrong? You're getting upset. You're getting upset. And I would, I, I egg them on and <laughs> they get upset. Yeah. I say, oh, perfect. That's what I need now. Mm. Like I prime my partner. I want, I want you a little edgy, you know, a little, a little ornery, as they say, mm. um, not all the time. It de of course it depends. Right. Mm. But emotions are huge. It's not just anger. I'm also want to see joy. I mean, mm. show me how happy you can be. Why don't you wrestle as happy as you can be? Mm. If you're sad, it's okay. That's why it's so important to come to training all the time, yeah. even when you're upset. So you don't have to say, Oh, I want to get angry. You can be angry before you get to training. You could have, you don't can't tell me you don't get pissed off at home or something happens in the family that just drives you crazy. Mm. Kids did something just absolutely lit you up, you know, that's just or, the flip side of having kids. That's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> wife or friends or somebody just pissed you right off. That's the best time to train. 
train mm. or, or when you're or when you're even sad, it's the best time to train. Yeah. You know, the hardest thing for me to say to train, the, the most challenging for me to train was when my father was sick in the hospital, mm. you know, not to make it sad. That's just, this is truth. That's all. He was in the hospital for a month where I was going back and forth teaching at the fight club. I was a teach. And then I spent the nights with him and to, to, to teach with sadness in your heart is interesting. Mm. Um, and not to let it get infested, but you, you're still sad. You can't hide that. Yeah. And also with great joy and also with great tiredness, you know, my kids weren't sleeping. Oh my God, you know, I'm teaching. You're like half exhausted. Yeah. Um, I know that game. You're upset. And also <laughs> when you're upset driving to class or I came back on a long drive and I'm just I'm completely agitated with the Toronto driving and the traffic. And now you got to teach. So you don't need to make these in class. They already exist normally in our life. Hmm. Like it's like the kids that came to me and said, you know, do you think I need to get into some fights to, 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 to be a good martial arts? I mean, I, I need to have some fights to understand martial arts. And it's like, no, you, you're going to get into fights normally. Don't look for them. Don't go get into one. There's coming, you know, it's like the problems in life are coming for you. You don't, it's like saying, I need more problems in life. I think that, that will make, it's like, you don't go looking problems. They're coming for you. You, mm. you just be patient. They're coming for you. Um, you don't need, you're going to normally get agitated in class. I guarantee you there's, I, I can't tell how many times I've heard, sorry, sorry, sorry in class when somebody's torqued on my elbow or, you know, you know, kicked out my knee accidentally and it just infuriated me mm. and, you know, maybe I hide it pretty good, but it infuriated me and you're like, and now you're working with something. Yeah. So, so it's normal. You just have to let it go and just be attentive to it. But, um, so you have to be able to work in all States, Glenn. Um, emotions, uh, you know, there's that old saying, we, we learn martial arts technically, but we fight from emotions and we need to understand the emotions. Mm. Uh, for me, I, people see me a really calm guy and I try to stay as calm as I can because when I get mad, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. And I, I don't mean it like to scare people. I just know myself. Mm. The only thing worse than me getting mad is getting hungry and mad. That. <laughs> If only my mother will tell you that, you know, yeah. I, I could, I could, you know, it make the 300 saga look like a joke if I'm hungry at Loblaws and mad. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I can't tell you, you know, and I think people that uh, suffer from hangriness, uh, hungry and anger problems could attest to that. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I've known it, more than it, a few. That's, that's emotions, right? That's yeah. okay. This, you, you don't try to stop them. You try to understand them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all you don't, you know, talk to my kids. They'll tell you I get mad. It's normal. I, I can't stop this. I'm not trying to hide this from my kids. It's normal. Yeah. You can get mad, but not crazy. You can get sad, but not depressed. You know what I mean? Like don't try to yeah. acknowledge everything, but don't go too deep. Yeah. You know, just, just, that's part of what, what some of the training does. And that's what, for me, the system, uh, uh, training helped me a lot that way is not to go overboard. I was okay to get mad, but I could bring myself back. Whereas before that, probably not. Mm. I just get, I just go over. Sure. Okay. Great. Well, thanks so much. Danny. That's, that's been absolutely fantastic. The, uh, just the, the depth of, of what we've been looking at in there. And, um, I'm really looking forward to you coming down to North Carolina, uh, again soon. I guess we have a seminar lined up for the end of January. I think January yes. 26th, 27th. Yes, yeah. so. Good good time. And a good time to start, uh, start the new year with the, with the seminar and, uh, be glad to be down there and help your guys and just take the seminar to awesome places and, uh, and see where it grows from there. 
Yeah, definitely. And we've, uh, we've got some, um, got some fun themes we've been talking about and it's, uh, it's going to be a deep dive into Sistema and looking at these kind of ideas of emotions and effort and mindfulness and things like that in training and, uh, kind of almost like a martial arts archaeology, just kind of scraping off the layers and seeing what we find underneath. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm excited that's, about the concept. Yeah, that's an awesome way of looking at it, Glenn. It's, it's, uh, when you're, when you're training, you're scraping and you're looking for stuff. You're looking for stuff. And that's a, that's an excellent analogy to use, uh, for what we do in training. I chisel away at layers and I, and I look for what I find, I'm not just chiseling and not paying attention. So very good. Very well said. Great. Well, thanks very much and hope to uh, have you back on the podcast again very soon. Thanks, Glenn. I appreciate it. all the best. Take All care. best to you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.